Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. To the woman, he said, after sin, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desires shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam, he says, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to, cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorn and thistles shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat of the herb of the fields. In the sweat of your face you shall eat the bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you are taken, for dust you are, and for dust you shall return. So ladies, let me ask you this question. Why is there pain in childbirth? Who? Because of Eve. Men, why do we have so many thorns and thistles and the ground is having a hard time producing and you sweat and you labor to get something? Whose fault is that? Yeah, it's Adam's fault. You weren't there. Adam was there. You weren't there. Eve was there. In other words, we have all been wounded by the choices and sins of other people. There isn't a single person on this earth that hasn't gone through something or been wounded. And I'm sure if I was to say, just pause and meditate on some of the pain and the wounds in your life, it would take some of you guys milliseconds to remember Issues and pain and hardship and and struggle that took place on your life because of someone else. It's like a grenade that goes off and the shrapnel goes into our hearts and pierces. We have these wounds, these issues, and we find ourselves dealing with pain. Let me tell you a a simple story. When I was in, in school here in sixth grade, uh, we had a crazy class. It was a rambunctious class. It was a goofy class. It was all those things that a normal sixth grade class, primarily of boys, would oversee. And when you're 11 and 12-ish, you're awkward. You're not cool. I'm sorry if you have 11, 12-year-olds. We love you guys. We think you're cool. But you're still growing. You're, you, you're, it's a weird phase, and all the parents understand what I'm talking about. In that phase of my life, I was far from athletic. And I never forget playing football we were in, in PE, and they're picking teams. And, you know, we all get divided up and two-hand touch. That turns into tackle. You know how it goes. Well, my team is down, and so far, to be honest, I've dropped a few passes. And I find myself... The teacher says, you got five more minutes. I find myself in our end zone, waving my hands, screaming, I'm open, I'm open, I'm open. Does anybody know what happens? He throws the ball right to me. Anybody else guess what happens? Man, dropped it. It was the easiest pass that they could have ever thrown, and I find myself losing the game for my classmates my team was less than pleased for me to jog back to the group. 
remember one of the kids looked at another kid that was one of our captains. He said, God, why did you pick him for our team? He's just horrible. Another kid looked at me and goes, dude, go away, you're embarrassing. At two weeks later, there's a birthday party, and I was the only boy that wasn't invited to said birthday party. And while this story isn't life-shaking, it began setting up a thought process in my life that has remained for 30 years. And that thought process in my life is that you are a disappointment, that you are an embarrassment. Isn't it interesting somehow small little wounds that don't get healed grow and take bigger chunks of life than you ever expected that they would? I look back today, and it's funny, and we laugh, and we goof. It's such a stupid thing to be hit. But as a growing 11, 12-year-old boy, it was a monumental moment in my life where my performance dictated my acceptance. And because I didn't do what was pleasing, I was now outcast and rejected. We all have broken hearts. And we don't know how to get healed. So what we do is that we take these fragmented pieces of our hearts, we go alone, and we mash them back together to what we think should, a heart should look like, we put a smile on our face and we move on. Well, the problem is, is that we didn't create our heart and we always rebuild it wrongly. <coughs> because the way that we rebuild it doesn't allow mending to take place. And since we rebuild it wrongly, it shapes our experiences and our expectations and our mindsets for the rest of our lives. That's right. Your wounds matter because it profoundly has influenced you. And the vast majority of the time, we don't even know it. The problem that we're going into is that we have these moments in our lives. <coughs> we have these moments that something takes place, whether it being, according to the world standards, tragic and unbelievably painful abuse, uh, being molested as a kid, uh, abandonment, whatever it may be, or as stupid as you being not athletic in sports and got rejected. We all have these moments, and what takes place is that we, we get hurt, and we run, and we hide, we smile, and we go, okay, that's never going to happen again. I'm, I'm not going to allow that pain to take place again. And don't you know the enemy is quick to help you in that process? And he goes, I've got something for you to help you with that pain. So what we begin to do is that we take these bricks out of our pain and out of our struggle and begin fortifying our position and protecting ourselves. And then one issue takes place. Oh, that got rejected from that one. So then I'll add another brick. And then, oh, I got hurt again. So another one. He just, he never stops stopping. He just keeps, help. he's here to help. Why? Because what's happening is, is in my head, I'm walling myself in for protection, but what he understands that I'm doing is I'm walling myself into isolation. 
And what happens with our wounds is that when I start going to a spot in my life that I'm allowing to change my actions, what I'm doing is now I'm giving my wound power over my future. In my head, I'm protecting myself from never getting hurt again. But the truth is, I'm actually giving it more power now than I did at the action that happened. A few weeks ago, I was cutting a bell pepper. Um, and uh, just like, if y'all understood how much of an amazing chef I am, you'd be just, I can order a pizza like you can't believe. <laughs> so, on one of my Instagram stories is uh, HelloFresh. And, and they're going to mail me my food. And I, all I got to do is just like open the bag and abracadabra. <laughs> See, what happened was uh, I, I put my HelloFresh stuff in the refrigerator. Um, I just grabbed all the bags and threw them in. And the problem was is that my bell peppers got too cold. So as I'm preparing and I've got my garlic and everything going, and I'm chef boarding it up over here. Uh, I, I grab my bell pepper on my cutting board and go to cut, and it goes, hm, and nothing happens. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So I, I reposition my grip. And as I reposition my grip, I go to get leverage on the knife. You were there, yeah. Uh, and as soon as I go down, I went, Croop, and I went, you're an idiot. And as soon as I look down, blood is shooting up. It filleted my finger. Like, it was legit. Just remember getting paper towels. I'm wrapping my finger real quick. Blood's pouring through my paper towels. It didn't matter if they were bouncy or not. It was just soaking through it all. And in that moment, I wasn't focused on my pain. I wasn't focused on the bleeding. All I kept saying is, Pete, why are you so stupid? Like, you're an idiot. Why would you do that? You know, hey, dummy, finger, knife, they don't add up. I proceeded to get the bandages and wrap my finger and get uh, tape and neosporin and all that fun stuff. And the great part is, Unless you looked, because the color of my bandages, no one noticed that I was wounded. But I did. Because now, I've had to play the piano with a wound. And anybody who plays an instrument understands your fingers are important. And so what I found myself doing is I'd go to start playing, and the keys would touch my wound, and I would retract. So now, what I'm having to do is to play with other fingers and other angles. And what I'm realizing is that I'm sounding horrible because I'm not used to playing this way. And here's what took place over the past three weeks is I had to learn how to play the piano without my thumb. And the crazy part today, I played almost every song today without my thumb, even though my thumb's better. Because what I began to do was I began to train myself away from my wound. And even though the way that I was playing was supposed to be proper with my thumbs, my pain taught me to leave what is proper and go to something that's improper. Because pain causes us to change. 
Pain wants us to adapt. Pain wants us to be different. Isaiah 61 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. Listen to this. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to, who, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of their ashes, the oil of gladness instead of their mourning, the garments of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness, that they may be called the oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord in which he is glorified. Did you notice the connection that he made between brokenhearted and becoming a captive? Here's the link. When our uh, wounds, our hearts are wounded, we pick up the pieces, like I said, we mash them together, and we begin living a life in such a way that promises us to relieve ourselves from our wounds and assures us that we will never, ever be hurt like that again. And this way of living enslaves us. In 1998-ish, I can't remember right, we went to a family reunion in Michigan. My uh, dad and Rusty um, are good golfers. I, I remember having a conversation with my dad because I've gone to a driving range before and like, I'd hit like a, you know, a eight iron, nine iron, whatever it is, and it'd go 70, 80 yards at the time. And, and so now I'm seeing a par four at 400 yards or 350 yards, and I go, oh, three shots. That's what I did at the driving range. The problem is I'm not good at golf. Rusty and Dad would hit the ball and pew, pew, beautiful. I'd miss the ball sometimes. Uh, and then I'd hit the ball and it, it would look like one of those uh, surface-to-air missiles chasing on an airplane. Um, it just, and it would just go. And it never knew where it was going to go. My dad and Rusty were gracious. They, they tried to teach me. They tried to show me. They were kind. They were encouraging. And I found myself in the woods looking for my ball. <laughs> I was so mad. Because, Pete, how could you be so stupid? It's not that hard. It's a ball and a club. In that moment, I had these two men encouraging me, but my wounds of my repetitive past led me to go that you're embarrassing them. They're being nice because they have to. But the truth is, Pete, if they had to do it over again, they would never ask you to come back. I'm sitting there having this conversation with myself because my performance didn't add up to expectations. They never put an expectation on me to be Tiger Woods. It was just three guys going to have some fun. They couldn't care less if I scored a 200. They just wanted to have some fun, but because of wounds, I took what was innocent and I twisted it. Here's the problem we run into. 
Wounds cause us to have perverted spirits. Perverted spirit isn't somebody looking at sexual things online or chasing after inappropriate things. A perverted spirit, if you look at it, to be perverted means to contort from one way. And what happens is that wounds want us to take something that is pure and pervert it into something that's painful. And I found myself declaring in that day I would never play golf again. Why? Because I wasn't good enough. There was no competition. There was no money on the golf balls. There was no nothing. It was just innocent fun. But because of my, my wounds, I allowed it to turn myself away from something that was good. It gets me to a spot in my life where I felt like I should go ahead and quit before they reject me. I just sat in the golf cart for the remainder of the game. They kept saying, dude, take a shot. Take, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. No, I'm good. Why? I'm going to shut down before you can shut me down. I'm not going to allow you to hurt me. I'm going to grab a brick. The truth is, my enslavement of a sixth grade boy was as real that day as it was when I was in sixth grade. Pete, you're only going to be accepted if you're great. Let me tell you a story. I was listening to a podcast and a man was telling this story that when he was uh, in middle school and he was in sixth grade, he was overweight, severely overweight. He, he, he said that as in, the, in the sixth grade, uh, he had a size 40 waist. So typically what would take place is that he was going to now decide to be the funny kid in class, Right? Everybody's going to laugh at him, laugh at his goofiness and yada yada. And he embraced the role of a class clown. And he was accepted and everybody loved him and he was great. He kept growing. One day, uh, they had to do one of those presidential fitness tests at school. You remember those nightmares? And on that nightmare was a pull-up. And he said, I remember telling myself if I could just do one pull-up, I'll be okay. And he says, as I grabbed the bar and hung there, I couldn't even move my arms. And for the first time in a long time, people weren't laughing at my jokes. They were laughing at me. He said, I got off that bar. I called my mom, told her to come pick me up. He said, and that day, I decided that I was going to run. He said, I ran as far as I could go, which was four houses. Every day for the next two years, he ran and ran and ran. He gets down to a 29-inch waist and finds himself in the hospital. He finds himself in the hospital because his body now has been over-exercised for two years, and he's not feeding it because he's dealing with anorexia now. What happened was one wound adapted his lifestyle to enslave him to something else. And the play goes like this in our lives, is that your heart is wounded because of the sin of the world and its specific effects on your life. And you make adjustments to protect your wounds. And those adjustments and those mindsets lead us into further captivity. Can I tell you all something? We need a great physician, not more medication. Not only does your wound control parts of your life, the second reason why we need help 
And it's because our wounds begin to hurt other people. The saying is true that hurting people hurt people, but they also hurt themselves too. Many of you guys know my story. Uh, I have uh, been divorced for a few years now. And I had to sit down with the vast majority of y'all and other people. Repent of my sin and watch pain in your eyes. The vast majority of you guys wrapped your arms around me and told me you loved me. That I wasn't my mistakes, that I wasn't my failures, that I wasn't my faults. But the weird part is that the same people that I expected to be there with me for the rest of my life, I've never seen somebody drop a relationship so fast. From family to friends to pastors to church people, people that I wept with, people that I, that I worked with, people that I had blood, sweat, and tears with, people that I know that they're skeletons, that I've sat down with them about, but they were so quick. And you know what the thought was? You didn't perform, Pete. And here it is again. You're getting rejected. It wasn't until I started talking to some people in this church that are here today who looked me in the eyes and go, their exact words, oof, that sucks. We still love you. They didn't reject me because I didn't perform. They loved me because I was Pete. See, the problem is, is that the wounds of my past have led me to more, more damaging decisions in my life. And people look at a single instance and go, what just happened? Can I tell you nine times out of a ten? It's not that instance. It's the isolation and wounds that have been built up for years that have led us to make a decision. And the weirdest part, EJ, is the vast majority of the time, we don't even know what we're doing. Have you ever found yourself in a spot and you go, what just happened? What did I just do? I like movies, and it's kind of like looking at the Hulk when he's green and he's destructing, and all of a sudden he goes back to David Banner, and he looks back and he goes, what happened? All of this destruction because of his instinct to cause destruction. And this is what happens to people who have unmet wounds in their life is that we begin to live our lives walled around and, and performing and we're doing all of our stuffs and we're, we're protecting ourselves. And what happens is, is that it creates us to have these, these instincts and we act on our instincts and our instincts are now wrong and it causes pain in so many other people's lives. And we go, well, but you know my heart. That's not, my, that's not what I would do. I would never do that. And you know what's crazy? Or actually sane is you believe it. Because when you're unwounded, you're a different person. I'll put it this way. I, I have had surgeries and I've got some scars. And if you know you want to see a scar, I can show you my scar. You can touch my scar. You can look at my scar. You can, I can tell you the story. That was at one time a painful experience, but now it's a scar. Look at it. Touch it. It's not a big deal. Whatever. The difference is 
Two weeks ago, you could touch my scar, but you touch my thumb, I'm coming back across. We use phrases like this, and it sounds so great. I was triggered. Uh, Bill is a, works for the Elmore County Sheriff's Department. Hey, Bill, can you answer a hard question for me real quick? If I have my gun and there is no bullets inside, what happens when I pull the trigger? Nothing. See, here's the difference. You want to know whether or not you have a wound or a scar? When you get triggered, do you explode? Because if there's no bullet in the gun, nothing's going to happen. That's how I have learned over the past few years whether or not I've got a wound or a scar. Because when something that used to hurt now happens, am I going to react or am I going to go, oh, okay, and move on? See, that's where we have to get to a spot where God takes our wounds and turns them to a scar because our scars have great stories. You ever seen someone with a scar and you go, I gotta know. See, God tells us that he's going to bind up the brokenhearted, but it doesn't say here he's going to remove some scars. Because my scar is a testimony of what used to hurt, now no longer hurts because of who he is. And that's the thing that we have to find ourselves, is not walking around wounded and bleeding all over, all over everybody, but getting to a spot in our lives that Jesus takes our wounds and turns them into scars because our scars can be stories of who he is. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus returns to Galilee in the Spirit of God. And unrolling a scroll that was placed before me, he says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of God's favor. He rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down and he said, the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he says, today, this scripture is fulfilled. What Jesus says is that I'm the one that was sent by God to heal you. I'm the one that was sent by God to bind the broken hearts. I'm the one that was sent by God to free you captives in your mindsets. Jesus didn't just come so that we could go to heaven, but that he would remove hell on earth. Come on. Because when you're living a mindset through wounds, you're living a life of hell. A couple of things. The first step to healing is realizing that something can be done about your wounds. It's the very first step. To realize that it wasn't, that it wasn't supposed to be this way, to realize that it's not okay, to realize that it was not fair, to realize all of those things, but it happened. And to realize now that there is healing available. Psalm 147 says, Praise the Lord, how good it is to sing the praises of our God, how pleasant and fitting to praise him. The Lord builds up Jerusalem, and he gathers all the exiles to him, and he heals the brokenhearted, and he will always bind up their wounds. I love this, that you don't have to wait till heaven to have your wounds healed. It's interesting in a church like this where we're so fast to run to a pastor to pray for our broken arms, but we're so afraid to go talk to somebody about a broken heart. You can experience this healing now. 
Jesus did not just come for salvation, which he did. He did not just come for forgiveness, which he gained. He came for restoration. Faith is not ignoring the pain. You know, that went around like I thought it would. Yeah. Faith is not ignoring the pain. What faith is, is taking your pain and having faith that this person can heal you. You don't have faith because you ignore something. Faith without works is dead. And when I have an issue, I will take my faith, I will take my issue by the hand, screaming and kicking and go, God, here's my problems. Fix it. Faith is not, God, don't look at my problems. I'm going to bury it here. I was... uh, at a retreat a few years ago, and one of my counselors told me this. They said that what happens is that we can sweep something under the rug only for so long, in the middle of the night, you trip over the lump. You can only bury pain for so long, because when you bury the pain, it is a seed that will grow an oak that will produce pain for years to come. And not just in your life, in other people's lives. Because when we plant this tree, the, the, the seed of pain in our lives and we let something grow, generations will eat from it. Well, I'm like my mama. I got an angry, I got an angry issue like her mama who had an angry issue like her mama who had an angry issue like her mama, yada, yada, yada. What's happened was is that at one time, a generation, pain was planted, a tree grew from it, and they taught every generation how to eat from that pain. The second step is this. It's probably the hardest step. We have to name the wound. You go to pastor and be like, hey, I need prayer for my body. What's going on? I don't know. Just feels funny. No. You know. It's my foot. It's my arm. It's my head. It's my stomach. Whatever it is, this is the problem that I need fixed. This is not a phase where we blame others. This is where I get the most pushback today, just being honest with you right now. This section right here. When I say name the pain, I don't say blame a person. Time does not heal all wounds. And if it was last week or 10 years ago, wounds still hurt if they're not healed. But we do have to name it. Looking back and saying, my pain's name was Tyler from the sixth grade is a joke. Ephesians 6 tells us that we have principalities, we've got powers. We've got spirits of wickedness in heavenly places. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against those things. So when I'm naming my pain, I don't call it by Bob or, or Becky or, or name a, 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 a Jamie or a James. No, my pain is what has been attached itself to me, which is named rejection, abandonment, performance mindsets, lack, Lot, you're naming the lies you believed. I don't look and go, God, heal me from Matt. 
No. But what we do is, God, what is going on in my heart that I do need to get healed from? Let me put it in this way. If you get hit in a car accident and you go to the hospital and they say, where does it hurt? You don't say the Toyota Corolla. You point at yourself. My stomach hurts. My lungs hurt. And what's happened in our world is that we've been conditioned to point the fingers at this person and that person. That's my pain and that's my problem. It's my mom and it's my dad. It's my grandma. It's my uncle. It's my, my ex. It's my whatever it is. And we want to point, 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 point. And the idea here is the enemy's laughing the entire time because we think we're getting healed and we're causing more division. Because as long as you're not pointing it at him, he doesn't care. It's like going to a, a, a party with a pinata and we're blindfolded and we're just swinging at everybody. Whoever I can hit, that's the problem. So I'm going to name my pain. When I go and name my wounds, I don't call it John. But I do take time to ask myself what the wound was. Your wounds may be called rejection. Your wounds may be called abandonment. Your wounds may be called abuse. Your wounds may have issues with angry angry people who have lashed out with their words and cut you down to shreds. Your wounds may have a bunch of different names and I can't stand here today and name every single wound that could exist, but you know. You know because I'm looking at some of you guys right now and you're tearing up. Because right now in this moment, something that took place 10, 15, 20 years ago is resurfacing to this moment because he reveals what he's trying to heal. I don't blame them for hurting me. I do blame the enemy for lying to them and then pushing that lie back on me. It's a weird thing when you are victimized and then you become a person who begins to victimize other people. Isn't that weird? I'm hurt, so I'm going to hurt everybody else. No one in their mind thinks that's going to be the case, but that's what the enemy has convinced us to do. Closure doesn't always come from sitting across from the person that hurts you. Because I can't put my healing in the hands of the man who hurt me. There's only one person that can heal me. Only one. And I can sit across and rehash every time that somebody has done something to me, but to be honest with you, it's not going to fix anything. It's not. Because, Matt, you can't heal me. Candace, your mom can't heal you. Connie's siblings, Heather, relationships. Those people can't heal you. Only he can. 
And while it may feel good on the outside to explode on the person that hurt us, to be honest, that's the way that the, the world. Because we have it in our heads that for me to get my power back, they have to punish. I'm not going to stand here and act like in the past few years there hasn't been unbelievable, painful things said to me, said about me. But you know what I've realized? Is that if I'm always chasing for justice, it should be that it's justice and God's mercy for every person who's believed a lie. Not for them to suffer. If I'm seeking for my healing, why would I want somebody else to have pain? Question arises now, well, Pete, did they just get off away with it scot-free? Never. No. I'm going to say a very controversial statement that will probably end up on YouTube. Not everybody in World War II who fought for the German army was an evil, evil person. Not everybody in Russia right now who's fighting is an evil person. You know why? The vast majority of people who do this kind of stuff have believed a lie that has been told to them over and over and over and over again. It's called propaganda. And I have no idea the lies that the enemy has told people. But I know the truth. I know it's the facts. And so what I've led myself to go is, God, have mercy on their lives. Let the truth of your grace and mercy be poured out upon them. I don't, pay. I don't pray for God's judgment in a bad way. Why would I, when I mess up, God, give me mercy. When Dad messes up, give him pain. Third thing is this. You have to clean the wound. Ask me how I know. Come to find out, when I filleted my finger open, uh, I wrapped it with paper towels and tape. I didn't go to the prime ed like I should have because I had a very important meeting to go to. And Thomas and Dave and I were playing video games. And I was trying to navigate my joystick with a busted up thumb that was wrapped around with paper towels that was this big. And so then I thought, I'll go, the, I'll go tomorrow. So I go the next day, and the lady looks at me, and she goes, what can I do for you? And I said, do I need stitches? And she's like, you did. It's too late now. I'm like, what do I do? She goes, we're going to hurt you. I said, great. So she took my thumb, filled a syringe full of saline, and just shot it into my thumb. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, ready for this? Just to add to my man card here, or take away, the lady is from Ukraine. She looks me dead in the face and says, man up, I've got men dying over there for worse. I'm like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> yeah, totally took my man card in that moment. Plus, she's bigger than me. I'm pretty confident that she could have beat me up. Like, y'all know what I'm talking about. Hmm. I hope I never have to get a shot from her. Um, but she cleaned my wound. She put water, washed it out with saline solution, and then put on 
uh, ointment and then re-bandaged my wound to let it get healed. Ephesians says this, that Christ loves the church and he gives himself up for the church, making her holy, cleansing her by the washing of the word. The word flushes out the lies. It purifies our soul. We, we read in the most deepest and darkest moments of our lives that we are more than a conqueror because that's how he sees us. In our, in our sickness, he looks at us and says, you are healed of the Lord. And, and in our frailties, he says, you are chosen and anointed. It's not good confessions to make myself feel better about myself. It's reminding me of what the truth is when all I hear is lies. Confessing the word over your life is not just a chant. It's reminding yourself that what a lie is and what the truth is. I understand what this is saying, but this is what God says. I understand what the circumstances are going, but this is what God says. The cleansing of the word is reminding yourself of who you are and who he says that you are. But it doesn't just flush out the wound, it also cuts away the dead parts. Hence my thumb. Uh, when, it, she, when it filleted open, it was still attached, partially. And like anybody with a good comb over trying to stave off going bald, you let it grow as long as you could. And it was hanging. I mean, a good gust of wind would have disconnected it. But I'm not letting go. I pushed it back down and I taped it up over and over and over again. So it gets to a place where you have to cut away what's been dead to allow new growth. Hebrews says this, the word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, cutting between the soul and the spirit. Your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. And can I tell you, your soul lies a lot. But the word cuts, this is spirit, this is soul between joint and marrow, and exposes, I love this, our innermost thoughts. The Bible commentary, knowledge commentary says, it is able to discriminate successfully between what is spiritual of man and what is soulish or carnal of man. It penetrates to the dividing soul and spirit and does so when these often contradictory inner elements are interwoven as closely as your joints and your marrow. Hey, Thomas, come here. I, I feel like, please, thank you. Uh, I, I feel like what's happening right now is for us in our next season of life, when God says it's your move, the question is this. Are you ready to move out of your wounds and into life? Are you ready to stop being perpetually making decisions based on your wounds and start living life the way he's called it. I'll put it this way. It's, are you ready to get out of the walled city of your heart that you've made? Where you're numb. The impenetrable walls that we have built because so many people and so many actions have hurt us that we have determined never to be hurt again. I'm not asking you to leave this place today and share all your deep, dark secrets to everybody and post it online but I am asking you to, to reflect. 
Has there been wounds in your life? Are there wounds in your life that you can name today that need to be healed? That need a touch from God? Revelation 3 tells us this, I stand at the door and knock. He's standing at your walled up city going, hey, let me in. I know you're hurting. Let me in. I know you're, you're in pain. I can heal it. I know you're alone. Let me be your companion. I know for all of these years, you've gone through all of this pain and all of this rejection and all of this abandonment and all of this abuse and all of these things. Let me come in today and heal all the broken pieces. Let me heal and mend the wounds. Not by you performing not by you jumping through spiritual hoops, but by bringing them to the cross today and letting his blood cleanse every part of your life. Jesus, 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 Jesus. I've got a few more minutes. Can I have everyone just stand, please? If you can stand, stand. Hmm. I'm asking for some trust today. Understand that this is coming from me where my entire life was placed before the world. <laughs> so when I tell you this place is a place of love, it truly, truly is. Unlike anything I've ever experienced. So here's what we're going to do. I want everyone just to close your eyes for just a quick second, a few moments. Before you respond, let me explain what's going to happen with your eyes closed is that I'm going to ask a simple question. The simple question is this, is that you say, Pete, I've, I've been wounded, and it's, I'm realizing it's become a problem in my life where I keep making decisions based on my wounds. I I'm finding myself doing things that I don't want to do, saying things I shouldn't say. I'm finding myself becoming mean like my mom or mean like my dad. I'm finding myself being short-tempered or cynical. I'm finding myself having uh, uh, abandonment and rejection and pushing everybody away. I'm finding myself going through all of these things, these painful experiences because of a wound that I didn't even cause, that somebody else caused. And you sit here, you're sitting here today and you say, Pete, I want healing in that spot. I want healing in that place. In a few moments, I'm going to ask you just to raise your hands. But before you do that, when do you explain what's going to happen? You've got two big options. You can come up front, and I can pray for you. You can stay where you are, and somebody around you will pray for you. You do not have to express to them, this is between you and Jesus, but they just want to let you know that you're not alone, that you're not going to be isolated. They're just going to pray for you. You don't have to talk to them at all. They're just going to let you know you're not alone. And for the first time in your life, our first time in a long, long time, you may have that sense that you're just not alone. And that's, that may be what we need for you today. So if you're in this place today and you say, Pete, I need to get healed. I'm not a bad person. I'm not doing tons of crazy stuff, but I can tell that my wounds have affected my life. And I'm, 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 tired, of, I'm tired of walking with a limp. I'm ready to be healed that's you today, and you say, Pete, I, I'm ready for that, and I want to be, have, <laughs> have that expression done, just slide your hand up right where you are, yeah, 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 keep them up, keep them up, keep them up, keep them up, keep them up. Amen, amen, 
keep them up. Here's what we're going to do. Um, what we want to see is give you two options. If you want to come up, you can. If you want to stay where you are, you can. But I'm going to pray over everything right now. And if you see somebody who's got their hand raised, I want you to just put your hand on your sh- their shoulder. You don't have to prophesy or say anything. Just, just pray quietly around them. Um, pray for them. So look around for somebody who's got their hands raised. Make sure somebody's got If you want me to pray, then you can come up front too. If you need to do a sign of walking away, you can do that too. It's whatever you want to do. But here's what I'm going to ask, because I'm going to ask everybody just to, be, just to be praying right now. God, I just thank you right now for healing. I thank you for deliverance. I thank you for forgiveness. I thank you for, for, for power. I thank you for everything that you're doing in their lives right now. God, we speak right now to healing from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. And Father, right now, even as I lay hands right now on Bill, God, I just thank you that you, Father God, are, are ministering to him and everyone else is getting lay, hands laid on them right now. In the name of Jesus, that God, the, the wounded heart right now being mended, in Jesus' name, that God, you are the God that has healed all wounds. And God, I just thank you right now for the pain of the past, the issues, the trauma, the, 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 the problems that we're walking to right now in the name of Jesus. We speak to that in the name of Jesus. Come on, church, go ahead and pray. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you in this place. Your sovereign grace and mercy, we just thank you that this is a day that you have ordained. When you said it's our move, God, I just think that we're moving from wounds. We're moving for pain. We're embracing the process of restoration and healing. We just thank you for it. In Jesus' name, that today is the day, God, that you have made. Amen. God is good. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.